Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. My name is Bill White, and I am one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and it's so fun to be here outside. It's a little chillier than we thought it might be. Sorry about that. Um, you know, we actually, so we spent a lot of, for, for folks who weren't here at that point, there's a little bit of nostalgia because we spent a, a year out here uh, worshiping outside during COVID. And so a lot of folks said, oh, we got to worship outside again, like the good old days. So here we are. Um, and you can notice some of the decor. Uh, we have our kids camp starting tomorrow, which is going to be super fun. So we want folks to be able to see that. Um, and as folks show up at church today, I just want to acknowledge there's a lot, there's a lot going on, right? Uh, there are a lot of graduations uh, these days. There's a lot of transitioning. I was at a graduation last week. I was out of town in New Hampshire. My daughter graduated college. Uh, it's fantastic. And there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, gratitude. And there's also some sadness. Like, I kind of enjoyed having kids in college. It was really fun. Um, and people grow up. And so however you're showing up today around those transitions, you're welcome here. Um, and, and whatever's going on inside of you is welcome here. And it's also Father's Day. And which for many of us is we're filled with gratitude and i don't know a single person who doesn't have a complicated relationship with their dad i mean maybe you know some but i don't know a single person who doesn't have complicated and there's always some pain and so we just recognize like okay there's that um and you are welcome here in whatever space you're here and whatever you bring with you and tomorrow is juneteenth uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, this new, new <laughs> um, holiday, newly recognized by the federal government holiday, where we celebrate freedom and we name some of the issues that um, so often we don't name in our country around racism and oppression and structural injustices. And that brings up a lot of stuff for us. And so you're welcome here and whatever is going on inside of you uh, in regards to that, you're welcome here. Um, City Church of Long Beach is a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we get to, we get to do this journey together. So welcome friends. Uh, I'd like to invite up my friend Ming Lu, who's gonna pray over the kiddos today before we let them go and have some fun. So welcome Ming. <laughs> Thank you, Ming. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I want to thank you for um, just the privilege it is to get to shepherd the kids um, in this morning and also in this coming week during kids camp. Um, I pray for uh, just this morning that they would really be touched with your love and that they would even um, just grow courage to be able to ask the hard questions advocate for themselves and um, and turn to trusted adults and and those older than them for guidance um, and i pray for kids camp too that um just that you would bless all the volunteers um, that you would bless the children that come and um, help them to really feel your love in jesus name amen thanks Ming. so we are today we are wrapping up well welcome brenna rubio our other fearless co-pastor 
And we are wrapping up a sermon series. We've been walking through this little book in the New Testament called Second Timothy. Here, really quickly, kids, yeah, you can go. Oh, you can like go Like I was with your saying, leaders. kids, you yeah. can go. I was going to say that. I, I just see them kind of trying to figure it out, so. <laughs> we have different strengths. Like, kind of, I'm more of a big picture guy. <laughs> um, so we're in this sermon series on Second Timothy, which is a little book in the New Testament where Paul is writing to his younger friend, Timothy. And we've been tracking this theme of friendship and how you do friendship through this book and learning along the way. And today we're, we're wrapping it up in the last chapter as Paul is writing some of his friends. And it's sort of those personal greetings that if you've ever read in the, in the Bible, usually we skip over that stuff at the end. Because it's like, yeah, so-and-so says hi, and so-and-so says hi, and this, that, and the other. Well, today we're going to read it, and we're going to talk about it because it's a lot, there's a lot of gems in there about how friendships work and how sometimes they don't work so well. And in particular, we're talking about uh, conflict and how being a good friend actually requires that you have some conflict in your, in your friend group. And... So uh, one of my favorite authors, a woman named Priya Parker, has anyone here read Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering? Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. A couple. Okay. All right. Um, she, she writes this about, um, about conflict. She says, human connection is as threatened by unhealthy peace as it is by unhealthy conflict. Sometimes it's the avoidance of conflict that's really the problem and actually having learning how to have healthy conflict is the gift i've been thinking a little bit about this my son turned 24 and uh just a, a week ago and i've been sharing with him I, I wrote journals for my kids as they grew up but i never shared them with them and so now that he's 24 i'm sharing with him all these old journals like literally like hundreds of pages. Um, and so we've been laughing so hard about his journals from high school and all of the conflicts that we had. I mean, it's been hilarious. So, but this week I sent him the journal from his uh, first half of his senior year. And Katie and I had this realization that we had not done a good job training our children to think about money. Right? Maybe your parents did a great job, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But we just sort of ignored that because we could tell from starting like age three that our son had a different perspective on money than we did uh he is really has a really strong gift at spending money <laughs> he's very good at it um and he's always doing it to have fun with his friends and go, you know and and we just sort of like we could tell it was all it was going to bring conflict so we just didn't deal with it. And so now it's his senior year in high school and we're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna send this kid out into the world. What are we gonna do? And so we just bit the bullet and we started like saying, oh, here's our, this is what we think and here's a boundary and, and here's your retainer. If you lose your retainer, you pay for it. That didn't go so well because guess what happened? Yes, you guys are amazing. He lost his retainer. Yes, and whose fault was that? 
No, that was my fault. <laughs> and he left his he left his wallet in his in his in his car, um, which you can't do in Wrigley. And so they broke in, they broke the window in the car. And whose fault was that? <laughs> that was my fault. That was my fault. And so we just because it costs money to repair to replace the wallet and to repair the you know. And we just got into it. And so it was six months of just brutal. I mean, it was brutal. And I'm proud to say my son now is a responsible adult. Uh, he's been working. He's out of, been out of college for three years now. He pays his own rent. He goes out to dinner more in a week than Katie and I go out in a month. <laughs> but he's got a budget and he's 6'2". And it's like, oh, thank goodness. But man, it was brutal in it. There were a lot of tears, a lot of, there was some yelling, I'll be honest. Then it wasn't just him. Maybe not on the tears either. <laughs> Maybe not, definitely not all the tears either. Oh man, so like, how do you do this? How do we do conflict? We're gonna look at the scriptures, we're gonna wrestle with it. I'm not sure we're gonna have great answers, but we're gonna at least think about it together, okay? So I'd like to invite our friend Wayne Nishioka, who's going to read scripture for us. Wayne, if you'd come up. Welcome, Wayne. And typically around City Church, um, for those who are able, we stand for the reading of scripture. Uh, if you're on Zoom, you can stand on your bed if you'd like. You don't have to, though. We won't tell. Oh, you go. Go, babe. It's all you. Good morning, everyone. So today's reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. People of God, this is the word of God. God. You may be seated. Thanks. Thank you so much. Brett, do you want to make a comment here before I do a little intro on that verse? I mean, how, how, are, you, how are we doing this morning? We're, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing all right. Um, so we're going to do a little warm-up round, actually, as we kind of lean into this whole idea of conflict. Because part of what we started to talk about last week uh, when I got to preach with my friend Rebecca is the fact that Paul, who is writing this, is a complicated character right and uh, we won't rehash all of it right but he's a complicated character some of us even get a little twitchy when we hear that we're going to be learning from paul on a particular day and so even as we're hearing these words from him it's good to think like this is an actual person who is writing these words and the general sense we get of who paul is uh is that he is a big personality Right, he's 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 a big personality and and someone who probably tends to be a little bit more forceful, a little bit more out there with what he thinks and with what he what he feels and what he wants and you know maybe kind of charismatic. I mean, he started all of these different churches, right? So there are all sorts of good things about that, about who he was and this this big commanding personality. And there were things that were probably pretty tricky, that maybe in his more intimate relationships might have been a little bit more challenging are you you're smiling could no, you resonate? I, I don't relate to him at all i don't know yeah, I have to say you it's really weird resonate just a little bit <laughs> with that um <laughs> so one of the things that we did talk about last week is that when we read scripture we can actually 
talk back to it. Uh, I talked about the work of Dr. Will Gaffney, who's a black Old Testament scholar who writes a lot about womanism, reading the Bible, uh, particularly as a black woman. And one of the things that she talks is, is that that we get to talk back to scripture. We can actually have conflict with scripture. We get to ask it questions, right? We get to say like, I, I don't get it because as this whole message is actually gonna be about this whole conversation, we need conflict. Conflict brings things to the surface that are really important. If we're actually gonna have any kind of real intimacy and real connection, just sitting on our questions doesn't tend to be helpful. You're gonna hear that in quite a few places this morning. So I, I, we're gonna, this is a little practice round. One of the very first things that Paul says in this little passage is, come to me quickly. Are there ways that we might talk back to that or ask it some questions? Maybe say like, mm, I wonder if Paul could have said that a little bit better. Like one of the things that occurs to me is that this, hey, come to me quickly, it, it fits Paul's general mode, commanding, right? You do this. Do your, I mean, he says, do your best, I guess. We softens it a little bit, right? Gives a little wiggle room, but it's just come to me. And that's not necessarily bad, but there are some things below the surface that I wonder if Paul didn't have a lot of practice at expressing. Things like maybe like, friend, I'm lonely. I'm scared. I need you. Things that are more vulnerable than just kind of this like commanding, come quickly. And some of us may actually resonate with that. We think like, yeah, it's, it's hard to admit when we're having feelings, tender feelings, vulnerable feelings, to be able to put that, it's, it can be easier to lead out of something that feels more assertive or commanding or sometimes angry, right? And I'm not saying Paul's angry here, but, but he is sort of, he's not saying the deeper, things. We can just read it behind the lines. Dr. Gaffney would say we read not just the words of scripture, the lines of scripture, but what's behind it and over it and under it and through it. That's what we're looking for as we read the Bible. And that's what I hear in Paul, this vulnerability. And so it invites me to think a bit, okay, where do I sometimes do that too? What I say on the surface is not actually the vulnerable thing that I'm, I'm just less practiced at putting out there into the world, especially with my friends when I just need to say, hey, I need you. I'm, I'm feeling a little something here. Uh, an example I was thinking of, um, I didn't have time to check this with my husband, Israel, but I, it's like, this is one of those resolved conflicts overall. So I think I'm okay. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck is, you can tell me later, we can have conflict. Um, one of our key areas, like the spaces where, man, we, we would get into fights most often was around our calendar because we both have jobs and we have four kids and that's just a lot of coordinating to do. And so things would get added onto the calendar and, oh, but do we have babysitting? We both have things on the same night and it would just end up in a blow up pretty frequently. I mean, it was just one of our standard things. And, I think at a certain point, what I realized is 
I tended to come at it like when Israel would text and say, hey, this got added to my calendar and I'd look and, you know, I already had something there or whatever. And I didn't want to recognize that there were tender feelings, right? That there were things that there were things like, hey, I, I'm not sure. And again, it's not because he ever did this. This is me and my stuff and my wounding um, like, oh, I'm not sure he respects me, you know, as some, you know, as a partner with a job, too. Right. I mean, nothing he's ever done or said supports that. Right. And so instead of saying like, hey, I'm I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling unseen, I'm feeling whatever that we could have had a conversation, I would just lead out with the like, you better find a babysitter. Right. <laughs> it was very helpful. It was a very helpful approach. Come quickly with a babysitter. <laughs> be how Paul would say it. <laughs> because it's harder to say like, to stop a second and say like, I'm feeling some stuff, right? But the more I started learning to do that and to say like, okay, what if I responded to him from like acknowledging that stuff and then also choosing to trust? Because as I, I recognize the stuff and that, that actually, it didn't actually match with reality in our relationship, we could have better conversations and we could figure out, you know, better systems around our calendar that, that is actually not a thing we fight a lot about anymore, but it took me pausing and saying, where am I avoiding the tender stuff and just going straight into the command, the demand or the defense. So good. So good. Um, so one of the other lines here uh, in this little brief, you know, at the end of the letter saying hi to this person, hi to that, is there's this line, Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. That's, That's so classic, Paul. <laughs> it is. And I just like, yeah, I kind of like how he says that. <laughs> Tell it like it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then I did some therapy and I was like, you know, there might have been some other ways to say that. Right? Then I, I want to, and I'm going to come back to, 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 to this in just a second. But I've been told sometimes, I mean, rarely, when I say things like that, sometimes people feel like it's a little judgmental. <laughs> just because you love the world and couldn't hang with the big boys, you know, like people feel a little like that's aggressive. It's crazy how that happens. <laughs> it's weird. Um, notice I, I, I kind of relate to Paul, um, and I kind of feel targeted by this sermon, by the way. But um, I've said I, nothing. <laughs> but he assumes he knows Demis's motives. Because he loved the world, he deserted me. Very charitable interpretation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, oh, okay. Like, you really know, you know exactly what's going on in his heart. I mean, I do when other people do things wrong to me, of course. But this, so when we read Paul, we can actually process this and realize, like, oh, there might be better ways to go about this. But let me tell you this. What I love about this verse is Paul's actually writing to his his friend, and he's letting it out, he's venting, and it's in raw form. It's not real pretty, mm -hmm. 
And the truth is we actually need safe places, safe people that we can go to and say, oh my gosh, my partner did this, or my boss did that. And we can, we can name their motives. <laughs> we can say they deserted us. And, and our friend is centered enough that they don't think badly either about us or about the other person. They, they can hold space and maybe even reflect back and say like, wow, sounds like you feel really hurt by your friend Demis. I mean, they were literally, Paul and Demis were friends for 15 years before this. We know from the other parts of the New Testament, 15 years. And they're in this, in this huff, he writes them off. I wonder if there's something else going on underneath that, Paul. How, how are you feeling right now? And that's what I love about my friends is that they call me on stuff and they listen for what's actually going on underneath. And they ask those questions and they are a safe place for me to vent. And that's a key, I don't know what you'd call it, Maybe like a release valve? It's like a relief valve, right? To have a safe place in conflict to process where they're not gonna judge you, they're not gonna judge your friend, they'll listen and help you process. Mm -hmm. Like you might actually hear yourself better. Yes. A little bit more by getting it out even. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> no, Bill and I were talking about this ahead of time and thinking whenever either of us does counseling with folks who are in relationships, you always want to say like you guys need these people don't make any silly rules like oh we will never talk about our relationship you know with people outside the relationship that's that's asking for trouble um but on the other hand you also need to pick those people carefully you know you pick the people who are going to listen and they love and respect both of you right that they're going to give you wise feedback they know both of you are flawed and imperfect and awesome right and so they're not going to take sides they're gonna say, hey, you know, I'm hearing this. And, all, and, and they're just giving you that chance to get out all the stuff. I mean, they're free therapy, right? So they have to have some of those characteristics of like therapist, right? That it's gonna, it's providing a safe space. Um, the person who's gonna just automatically say, yeah, I told you that guy was bad news. Um, if, if it's a relationship you wanna keep, that might not be helpful. Um, I mean, in some cases they might be right, but that's a different sermon. So here's the thing, part of the reason we say that when we're talking with people in relationships is because this kind of stuff isn't like just like, oh, just some relationships have conflict, right? Just the, the really hard relationships, really tricky relationships have conflict. No, any relationship that has any kind of real intimacy is going to have conflict because we're all different people. Right? We all have different ways of looking at things. We bring in different backgrounds and preferences and personalities. And so conflict just happens. I remember being told before my husband and I got married um, that the only way, if you're not fighting regularly, that means someone is not really showing up, right? Someone is stuffing it. There's some more blunt ways of putting that. Um, but you're not being honest. Someone, if, if you're not fighting, somewhat regularly in a relationship, 
you're not putting all the stuff out there. You're holding parts of yourself back. I was thinking, for me, this has been a really tricky lesson to learn in my adulthood because my childhood, I spent, well, one, my family didn't really do conflict. Like conflict for, for my family was one of those things that was just sort of like, I mean, maybe my parents fought, you know, behind closed doors, but it just kind of like simmered silently in the public spaces, right? So I didn't really see how it was done. And then I moved every two or three years as a kid. So I had no concept of friendships that lasted more than two or three years. Right? It just wasn't my life experience. And when you only have friendships that, I mean, you know your friendships have a time limit. I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but by the time I was in high school, there's a little bit of you just kind of go like, ah, oh, you can let anything roll for two to three years, right? Like, yeah, that bugged me, but I mean, they're, they're, this friendship has a time limit anyway. Like, <laughs> what's the point of getting into conflict? Well, then I'm an adult. And like I'm in relationships that last longer than two or three years and all of a sudden it became an issue. Because I just remember one good friend and I we just hit a point where I realized like she had been saying things that I felt uncomfortable with and I disagreed with and I had just been kind of quietly smiling nodding changing the subject and I hit a point where that no longer worked and all of a sudden we had a huge blow up. Because she said something and it I just snapped finally and. And it was really hurtful to her realizing like I was different than I had been presented because I had been holding back. And so she had no idea how I'd been feeling about these different things for two or three years. And But it was actually better for our friendship once the big blow up happened, right? And I actually started showing up. We did end up fighting more. And then we had to figure out how to fight together uh, in ways that were healthy if we were going to. But, but that was actually, um, the only way to move forward. Others of us, you might have had different experiences, right? You may have grown up in families where conflict was very much out there. In some of our families, conflict is so out there, maybe it's actually unhealthy, right? That you see it done loudly and aggressively. But there is a sweet spot in the middle where we're showing up, we're being honest, we're being authentic, and we do it with some kindness with some care. Kat Armis, uh, who writes, uh, she's most well known for her first book, Abuelita Faith. I think she's another one in, in production right now or in development. Um, but she thinks about, when she thinks about her family and what she was given growing up, she writes this, for me, confrontation has always been equated with intimacy. These lessons pump through my veins as powerfully as a cafecito at three in the afternoon. It wasn't until I left my context, my culture, that I realized how rare it is to value confrontation and truth-telling and what lengths many people will go to in order to silence the prophets in our midst. I love how she connects the personal here and the larger community, um, our personal friendships, but letting them carry over into our public relationships. So she's saying, hey, I, I, I experienced the sweet spot. For me, conflict was always part of how you show love. You don't cover things over. When there are issues, you get them out there and you deal with them. And so she's saying, coming out of her Latina background, and then I emerged into more white dominant culture, and I said, ooh, you people like to cover things up. You guys don't like it <laughs> when, we, when we name it. 
even though naming is the only way we can heal. And so there's this encouragement. It's not just what we practice in safe relationships. Then we figure out how are we going to take that into our larger public spaces and say, we've got to talk about the things like we got to talk about racism. The weekend of Juneteenth, right? We need to say that, yes, racism is something we have to keep talking about, that this is one of our country's original sins and we're not done yet. We, it's still a work in progress. We have to figure out how not to silence the prophets in our midst. Growth is just isn't comfortable. I just wanna say that growth isn't comfortable, um, but it's necessary. So we have to find the people who are willing, not just to fight with us, but to fight for us, right? Because we, we actually can't grow without people being willing to have those conversations and show up. Um, so the, this passage ends, we're gonna look at the, the last little piece here. Um, and I'm, I think it might be lost on Paul, but it's super ironic. <laughs> um, and and I, I think you'll appreciate it. So Paul, you know, he's, he's written this like, hey, Timothy, you come quickly to me. Demas, he deserted me. Um, and, and then he writes, get Mark, this is in verse 12, bring him with you because he is helpful for me in my ministry. And now again, typically like we read through the ends of these letters, like, okay, whatever, whatever, this person's name, that person's name, whatever. But if you look up Mark, this guy, Mark, you realize that he and Paul had a falling out. So if you go back to the book of Acts and chapter, this is like 15 years ago. Um, you, 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 you go back to this verse and it says, <laughs> Paul is upset with another friend. And he says, literally, and I quote, Mark deserted me. He can't stay, he can't be on our team anymore. I'm done with him. Sure, repeated issues. We all notice these sometimes in our lives too, right? The same patterns and different friendships. Oh my goodness. Just class, classic moment. And right after saying to Demas, he's like, he deserted me. He am done with him. He's like, oh, and by the way, get Mark. He's, I love him. He's so great. <laughs> It's, it's just this fantastic moment, full of irony. Uh, maybe Paul noticed it, maybe he didn't, but I think it's an invitation for us all to, to ponder for a moment and say, huh, huh, maybe, maybe things could come back around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so when you put that in, right, this would be so much more interesting of a piece of scripture to read, right, if we didn't have to do all the like deep work to see all the subtext. But knowing that subtext, if we were going to rewrite it, right, to paraphrase, it was just, it would be Paul saying something like, I celebrate because relationships once broken can be made whole again. Because just because I have a bump in a relationship now, it actually doesn't mean the relationship is necessarily over. I mean, if Paul had that kind of self-perspective, larger perspective, he might have been able to say that. It might actually have been interesting context for his current struggle with Demas. Um, I, it makes me think, how often do we need that? 
that kind of patient perspective. I know Rebecca, when she was sharing last week, and I've heard several of you actually repeat it back to me that one of the most impactful stories that she shared was talking about her relationship with her father and how there had been 10 years with very little connection. It was really, really hard. And then he called to reconcile. And it was amazing, right? How do we hold that kind of perspective, even in the bumpiest moments in our relationships? To be able to say like, man, and it, it doesn't deny what's hurtful, right? Rebecca still experienced a lot of true hurt in that 10 years. And yet there's something to be able, I imagine for her to be able to go, and the next bump I have with my dad, I know it's not necessarily the end, right? There is still hope. There's still a longer perspective. I think one of the things that happens when we do that, when we're able to potentially not catastrophize a conflict with someone, um, to make it, I mean, what you hear in Paul's language, what he tends to do, it's, it's all good or all bad. I mean, Paul's just an extreme personality. Again, I, I feel targeted. I don't know why you're saying these things. <laughs> Bill, I'm going to let you handle your own stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just this kind of like he's a deserter, right? He's, they're bad. They're automatically just bad people. People, or now, well, Mark's helpful. He's so good. What if we're all just somewhere in the middle? What if part of our kind of balanced and patient perspective is we all just kind of know like, yeah, we're all a great big mix. There are beautiful places and there are broken places. And sometimes your broken places are rub up, are gonna rub up against mine and it's not gonna feel real good, right? And we're gonna have to exercise some patience. We're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to work it out. It just seems like a good first step coming into some of these situations is just that being able to hold some openness, some curiosity, not jumping right into judgment, but I wonder what's happening here. I wonder what's going on with you. I wonder what's going on with me. <laughs> and maybe we can just talk. Uh, we, we talk pretty frequently here at City Church about conflict, and sometimes we have a whole great big model even that it isn't that complicated, but it's a five-step sort of thing. This morning, I just want to share, like for us, often it is the first two steps that are super simple, super easy to think about, that are, are the most powerful in getting a conversation started, because it is saying, what if we can just be curious? So what we might do with someone who we're experiencing a bump with, something in us has just fired up, is feeling some kind of way. I'm gonna say, hey, I noticed this. I noticed, I'm gonna go back to my calendar example. I noticed uh, that you scheduled something when I already had an event on the calendar. Um, I wonder what you think we, we might do, or I wonder what happened. Um, you know, and then let's say in that example, Israel might say, yeah, there was this big meeting and my coworker is having this great big issue at home. And, you know, 
And all of a sudden, instead of just being angry, it's like, oh, yeah, you were kind of stuck in a hard position too. And well, I'm feeling a little stuck and maybe we can actually work this out together and have some sympathy for each other. Just being able to say like, I notice and I wonder, can you tell me a little bit more? I wonder how that would have helped Paul in some of these situations. <laughs> you know, Demas, hey, you're, you're thinking about changing directions. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? I'd love to hear a bit of your journey. This doesn't sound like Paul, but. <laughs> Again, he's might... venting to Timothy here, which I, you know, it gives me hope. Maybe he could get there. Maybe he could get Maybe. there. Maybe yeah. he could. So I just wanted to close just with one, one story of a friend that, that I hired to work for me. And uh, this was before I realized and, and, you know, this, the repeated issues in Paul's life, one of the repeated issues in my life is I'm not a very good supervisor. I don't, I, I just don't supervise well. And so I made a mistake. I hired a friend who was going to work for me and it was, it was ugly. Uh, I remember the day there were four of us, we were standing in the church boardroom yelling across the table at each other. A very holy moment, right? I mean, it was, it was truly awful. And it wasn't long after that, that he said, um, hey, I found another job. And I was really glad for him. It was actually a better job uh, with better pay. And, but uh, really, it was a relief because it was, a, it was an excuse to be able to say publicly, oh, he got a great job. He's moving on. When the truth is, um, I'd wrecked a friendship and, and he was actually not a very good worker. So, I mean, it, it went both ways, you know what I'm saying? We just, we just blew it up and it was terrible and didn't speak after that. And then I wrote a letter because I was like, this is, this is foolish. And I said, I'm sorry. And I got a response. It was like, thanks. And then we ran into each other at a, at a friend's poker night. And, uh, you know, I think the Lord loves poker. <laughs> um, but uh, we just, we connected, we caught up. And I just, it was this risky moment of saying, you know, I'd love to catch up sometime. And he said, I'd like that too. And since then, about three, four times a year now, uh, we take a walk around Signal Hill, the top of Signal Hill, and just catch up on our families and our life. Our spiritual journeys have gone super interesting places. Our careers have changed. And I, it just reminds me that there actually is hope. Conflict, I mean, it's inevitable. And boy, it would be a lot better to do it the way that Brenda's talking about it. I mean, I just, and, and we can actually learn some of those things. But there is hope for the damaged relationships too, um, for friendships to be restored. And because God's actually in it. And one of the things that, that Christ speaks of is that he says, I'm coming to restore all things, the restoration of, of everything. That, and that includes every friendship.